This is Ozarks at Large. As we keep an eye on the approaching winter weather, let's talk summer. Later this year, the University of Arkansas Humanities Center will have two NEH-sponsored teaching institutes for K-12 educators from across the country. One will focus on pandemics in history, literature, and today. It will be led by Trish Starks, a professor of history and director of the university's Humanities Center, and Casey Kaiser, assistant professor of English and head of the Medical Humanities Program at the U of A. The other will offer insight into the local, national, and international legacies of Nelson Hackett, a man who was enslaved in Fayetteville, fled to freedom, was arrested in Canada, and forced back to Fayetteville as an enslaved man. That summer teaching institute will be led by Michael Pierce, associate professor of history and director of the Nelson Hackett Project, and Karee Banton, associate professor of history, director of the U of A's Department of African and African American Studies, and host of the podcast Undisciplined. Last week, all four joined us for a conversation on Zoom. Michael Pierce says the events surrounding the life of Nelson Hackett can lead to any number of classroom discussions. He made his way to Canada, and um, the, the guy who owned him tracked him down and extradited him back to Fayetteville on charges of theft. Uh, he stole a horse, a, a saddle, a hat, um, a, a watch on his way to town. And Nelson Hack in 1842 becomes the only enslaved person that Canada sends back into bondage in the United, to the United States. And abolitionists rallied around the cause um, and, and secured guarantees from the British Empire that no such um, enslaved people would be returned after that. And, and so what we want to do, um, Professor Banton and I, um, we want to use this case of Nelson Hackett to explore several things. One, um, the, what slavery and fugitivity meant in American history. Um, th th that so often the, the, the history of the Civil War is told from the perspective of the West. And the things that the, the teachers teach and students learn about the, the, the sectional crisis in the Civil War are about issues in the West, and, and whether it is the Missouri Compromise, whether it is the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, the Compromise of 1850, the Kansas-Nebraska Act, Dred Scott, they're all about issues of slavery in the West, popular sovereignty. And, and, and what Nelson Hackett allows people to understand is the way that enslaved people put the way that enslaved people fueled the sectional crisis by moving their bodies by escaping to the north and, and as um, you know historians have recently um, asserted that issues of fugitivity are one of the two prime drivers of this sectional crisis. And that, you know, the Fugitive Slave Act of 1850 fights over fugitivity um, in places like Ohio and Wisconsin and Illinois were among the prime drivers of, of the, the sectional crisis. And so what we want to do is to get historians and people who are teaching history to rethink the causes of the U.S. Civil War, but also to rethink the agency 
of enslaved people and how this one dude, Nelson Hackett, who, who, who labored um, on the Fayetteville Square, how he put into motion events that ensured that, that Canada remained a haven for fugitive slaves and how in his wake, thousands and thousands of enslaved people went to Canada, the promised land seeking freedom and how this drove north and south apart and led to a civil war the, and that civil war was the opportunity for emancipation and abolition. And so it's a way to rethink um, both the agency of enslaved people, but also the process by which abolition and emancipation occur. Cree Banton, when you're talking to educators, does it help to have, I mean, this is, Nelson Hackett was a real person, a real event. Does this help? Uh, absolutely, Kyle. Uh, I think one thing about historians, uh, you know, we deal with data and we deal, the data we deal with is data with soul. And that is what people are able to connect with, right? And that is what facilitates the learning. The telling of a story that can flesh out how we understand broader movements uh, such as abolition or the Civil War or emancipation or how they come to think about African-Americans as a group of people, you know, um, through using the story of, uh, of people like Nelson Hackett certainly helped to facilitate with that. And so Nelson Hackett is just one example uh, in the in the Institute, we'll, we'll use uh, numerous other stories to show uh, our teachers that he is just one of many examples of African-Americans who took their lives into their own hands and got to freedom in this way and therefore disrupted the system or put it in um, a, a system of such, dis a place of such discomfort that it forced other things to happen. And so the narratives that they may have, right, of Lincoln freeing the slaves, they will get to question that, right? How did he come to that decision were it not for people who were voting with their feet? And how do we understand that? Um, what kind of methodology can we use to understand that if we don't have the written records of people like African-Americans? You know, we have to understand, as Dr. Pierce said, we have to understand their movement. We have to become smarter and use more critical thinking to evaluate um, their movement as documents of what they were thinking and what they were doing. And that is not what historians have uh, been used to doing. And, and that is why we've privileged certain stories over other stories. And so we're moving away from that and we're disrupting that. And so stories like Nelson Hackett that can embed this in the mind of uh, students and teachers alike will help us to break from that old uh, way of doing things. One of the things I think is most innovative, I looked at a lot of these programs, and one of the things I think is most interesting about the Hackett Project um, Summer Teaching Institute is that they are um, going to be putting forward, they're, they're privileging resources that are freely available on the internet. 
And so this is a way to allow teachers to bring this very cutting edge research in history into their classrooms and without having to expend dollars on new textbooks or new materials. This allows students to have contact with primary research on free websites like uh, the Network to Freedom, but um, all of these different free web resources. And I think that's going to really allow the teachers to bring these lessons right into their classrooms right now. We've been talking about stories and histories and narratives. And Casey and Trish, what you're going to be working on is very much rooted in that in contemporary times, oral histories as, as we go through uh, the pandemic and literature. How will how what will you be doing with your program? We will be looking at the global history of the 1918 flu pandemic, and we will also be looking at literary accounts of the cultural and personal impact of that pandemic. And we'll be looking at primary source materials from frontline workers and others that experienced that pandemic, and then ultimately be comparing all of that with historical, literary, and archival sources related to the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, what I love about our the um, pandemic is that, it, it, that this one is so interdisciplinary, that it is bringing together literature and history, art history, and oral history. We're going to be working with some STEM folk out of UAMS, uh, University of Arkansas for Medical Sciences, that we're going to bring together all of these different people with different skill sets so that we can show the, the broad array of medical humanities approaches to both the past and the here and the now. And so how we can use the past to understand our present, but also use the past to help us immortalize our present. How do we, how do oral historians approach the now using the past as a way to kind of, what kind of stuff do we want to remember? What kind of stuff will be valuable in the future? What kind of stuff has a touchstone in the past? And so by going through these histories and literary treatments and artistic treatments even, we're going to help um, kind of build lessons that teachers can do with students that help them make sense of their experience now, but also immortalize it and save it into local archives, into um, local collections, so that we'll have a movement forward. What I find so interesting about this is the four of you will be working with teachers who will then be working with students. Odds are, when you go down that uh, sort of educational tree, some of those students will be in jobs, whether it's education or policy making, uh, that will be influenced by what they've learned. Have any of you thought about this? I mean, some of the influence or responsibility you have could, I suppose, if everything works out right, resonate ripple out for a couple of generations? I think we're we're lucky that on each of our projects, we've got current K through 12 educators and experts in K through 12 pedagogy. With Hackett, we've got Charlene Johnson and Sinitra Morris. And with the Pandemics Project, we've got Susan Kendrick Perry, Bill McComas, and Cody Nichols. These are people that are already connecting with teachers in the classroom and I think are going to help us to make an impact with our research to, to truly fulfill 
the University of Arkansas's land grant mission to take our research and help spread it into the community, but also make us more understanding of community needs. And so I think it's a great learning opportunity for both sides, that these are supposed to be workshops rather than places where somebody's just gonna sit down and drill information into them. We're going to have communication, we're gonna have dialogues, and I'm so excited for that opportunity that I think that's just gonna be one of the most fruitful parts of this. You know, this is what um, we do all the time. This is what we do as university professors. Um, for, for each of us, um, I'm speaking for Casey, although I don't really know you, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is how we approach the classroom and the university, um, that, that our research and our teaching have to be connected um, in order for it to filter down um, somehow into a broader society. And, and so, you know, I, I, th I think the, the four of us, um, we're not people in it, stuck in an ivory tower. As Trish said, this is part of what it means to teach at a land-grant research institution. Michael Peters, Kareem Patton, Casey Kaiser, and Trish Starks joined us by Zoom last week to discuss the Summer Teaching Institutes for Teachers K-12 that will be offered this summer. Deadline to apply is March 1st. Interested teachers can apply at fulbright.uark.edu slash programs slash humanities dash programs. We also have a direct link at ozarksatlarge.com.